Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Inna alhamdulillah nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nastaghfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina min sayyi'ati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu wa man yudlil fala tajid lahu waliyyan wa ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah al-ahad al-qahhar wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu ya ayyuhalladhina amanu taqullaha haqqa tuqatih Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah wa ta'ala alone. We seek His help, His assistance, and guidance in all things. He whom Allah wa ta'ala guides, there is none that can misguide Him. And He whom Allah wa ta'ala leads astray, there is none that can guide Him except through the will and permission of Allah wa ta'ala alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. And that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al Hashimi al Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind, O you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah as he deserves to be feared. And do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Alhamdulillah, this is lesson three in our reading of the chapter of Al-Muraqabah, the chapter of mindfulness. That's good. The concept of mindfulness, and we are going through this great book, Riyadh al-Salihin, by Abu Zakariya Yahya bin Sharaf al-Nawawi, rahimahullah. Now, last lesson, we took the hadith of Jibreel, alayhi salam, and we took that the reason why that hadith was there, that's in this chapter, subhanallah, was the description of ihsan, that you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you can see him, and if you cannot, then he sees you. And subhanallah, that hadith, it showed us one of the main concepts of muraqabah, mindfulness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship, right? That you're mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that it's not habits and rituals that we do when we perform acts of worship, but rather we are connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, constantly trying to perfect our worship for him. Now... Today we take hadith number two, and this is a hadith that's narrated, and it is a very important hadith for literally every single Muslim. The hadith is narrated on the authority of Abu Dhar, Jundub bin Junadah, and Abu Abdul Rahman, Mu'adh bin Jabal, radiallahu anhuma, who both said that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Ittaqillah kunt. Have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are. Have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are. Now, subhanallah, the concept and understanding of having taqwa is greater than just simply being a Muslim or a mu'min even. Right? It's greater than that. So, subhanallah, we understand this as a step higher. So, the last hadith we can say is the foundations. This hadith, it shows us how to go the next step. Now, subhanallah, it stems... Taqwa, it stems from the Arabic word that means to put a barrier between that which you dislike and yourself. To put a barrier between yourself and that which you dislike. That is what the origin of the word taqwa comes from. Now in the context of the sharia, we say that everything that is done to be protected from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this comes under taqwa. We say that it's an umbrella term. An umbrella term. That everything that you do 
to protect yourself from the punishment of Allah and the anger of Allah, anything that you do from the worship, the good, that comes under taqwa. You with me? The good that we do to protect us from the anger and punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's an umbrella term. So it covers all worship. It covers all worship and all good. Now subhanallah, this is a holistic approach to Islam. This is a life choice. This is a day in, day out process. This is not just one day in, one day out. This is every day of your life as a Muslim, having taqwa. Now taqwa in your life is literally as the Prophet wasallam said, Haythuma kunt, wherever you are, wherever you may be, that is where taqwa needs to be. Wherever you are, that is where taqwa needs to be. Now subhanallah, staying upon the worship is from taqwa. Staying upon the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is from taqwa. Staying away from the haram is from taqwa. Fighting your arrogance and pride is from taqwa. And subhanallah, wherever they are, the believer is walking upon the earth in a state of caution. He is walking upon the earth in a state of caution, hoping not to fall into something that is haram and something that will earn him the displeasure of Allah. So he lives every day with this caution that if he steps out of line, then he's going to fall into that which is haram. Yes? Now subhanallah, this is what Abu Hurairah and other companions like Umar when they were asked what is taqwa, they replied with this type of yani, example. Have you walked upon a path that on its sides were thorns? Right? You know the rose thorns, the things that snag you when you walk past for some reason? Those, right? Have you ever walked upon a path that was yani, surrounded by thorns? And they said yes. So the companions asked how did you traverse upon it? And they said out of us in a state of caution, right? Hoping that nothing would catch our clothes. He says that is taqwa. So the modern example that I like to give is that when glass breaks on the floor, a cup, right? Mr. Flimsy, right? I'm not looking at you directly. That would be mean. But you used to say you have a glass of water. That drops. And then you have the shards of glass on the floor. How would you ever walk upon that? Tippy toe, making sure that nothing falls in your leg, making sure that nothing goes wrong. That is taqwa. But instead of glass, it's anything that is sin. Anything that's haram. Anything that incurs the anger of Allah. Anything that will earn you the punishment of Allah. So you're cautious of not falling into anything that will earn you this punishment. Everyone with me? Alhamdulillah. Now, taqwa itself is, يعني, when you have it, what are you trying to avoid? The punishment of Allah. And when you have it or when you're trying to get it, what are you trying to achieve? The pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the focus here is what? What's the focus in both those things? What's the focus? Allah is the focus. Right? In both of them, Allah is the focus. That you're trying to avoid the punishment and the anger of Allah. And you're trying to achieve the pleasure of Allah. What is the focus here? Allah is your focus. So subhanallah, this is the state of mindfulness that you have to have when you have taqwa. And subhanallah, what we take from this is the essence of taqwa. The essence of taqwa is al-muraqaba. Is being mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you have to constantly be vigilant and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In every step that you take and with every breath that you take, 
in every place that you are, you have to remember that you have to be in a state of both muraqaba, which is taqwa, the essence of taqwa. You with me? Alhamdulillah. Now, I don't know why today you guys look tired. Everyone here is a bit like just. You with me? Khalas, okay. Now, subhanAllah, this is something that is very important. Now, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he doesn't say, have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it is easy for you. Or have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it is convenient for you. Or have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when people are watching you. Or have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you are in public. No, no, no. Have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are. And this is something that is very important. Because subhanallah, over here we need to understand that there is a misconception that you only have to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you're in the masjid. When you're in the masjid, that's when you have to really remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to watch what you say, you have to watch what you do, you can't look at anything haram. When you're in the masjid. Or, yeah, and this is the example that's coming up, Ramadan. Right? So over here, inside of the masjid, outside of the masjid, with your friends, alone, with your family, without your family, yani public, private, whatever it is, you have to have this taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this caution of yani this fear of not wanting to fall into that which is haram. Constantly remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, then we see over here something that is beautiful in this hadith. We see a command, right? Have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are. And then the next part, there is a mercy. There is rahmah that we see. And the rahmah is tamhuha. Now the Prophet ﷺ, he says, and follow up a sin with a good deed and it wipes it wipes it away. It wipes it clear. Tamhuha. Right? So from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is he knows that we will sin. He knows that he has set forth the regulations. He has set forth what we need to do, but he also knows that we are going to fall short. We're going to slip. We're going to fall. Every single one of us. We're going to. Why? We're not infallible. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this in our disposition. That we are forgetful. And we can succumb to our desires and our lusts. And this is the unfortunate nature of man. But subhanallah, he says, follow up a sin with a good deed and it wipes it away. Now subhanallah, instead of saying that every time you sin, Understand that you are doomed. Understand that Allah will take you. Understand that you are now lost every time you sin. No, He gives you hope. That even after you perform a sin, there is still a chance for you to have taqwa. There's still a chance for you to come back and become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now if we look at other ahadith and other verses of the Qur'an, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not just merciful, there is an added level where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ash-shakur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who grants beyond need. He, he's yani, someone who gives beyond limit. Someone who if you do something for him, he gives you much more than you deserve. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he describes in Surah Al-Furqan, verse 70, إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا فَأُولَئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ فَأُولَئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتٍ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, As for those who repent, those who come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they believe and they do good deeds, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He takes their evil deeds and changes them into good deeds. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all-forgiving, all-merciful. Now over here, this is the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That your deeds now, they are transformed into good deeds. Your evil sin that you did, now they are transformed into what? Good deeds. This is from the, يعني, imagine you did something against someone and then on top of يعني, giving it back to you, he gives you extra. This is something that you can't comprehend. You can't comprehend. Subhanallah, this is something that is beyond limit. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In a hadith that's also found in يعني, Bukhari and Muslim, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhi narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says that if one of you perfect your Islam, if one of you comes and he practices his, his Islam perfectly, and he does it well, then what happens? Then every good deed that he does is multiplied. Multiplied between 10 to 700. And his sins will remain the same, recorded as one. This is a hadith that's authentic. In Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, which means the most authentic hadith that we have in Islam. Now subhanallah, يعني, either between 10 and 700 times. But your sin recorded as one. Subhanallah. Now, this is the grace and the, يعني, the mercy, mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He is the most grateful also. Al-Shakur, the most grateful. He gives you beyond measure more than you deserve. Now, subhanallah, when you do something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives you more than what you deserve. He goes above and beyond for you. And subhanallah, this is all out of His complete mercy. But subhanallah, if we were told simply that when we stuff up, that يعني, it's a crime that you've committed, and it's all finished now. That would be يعني, justice. If you stuff up, you did, the, you did the crime, you do the time type thing. That would be justice. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not just just, He's merciful. Yes, you did stuff up, but there's a way for you to come back. Right? And this is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that His door is always open. The door of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't close on you. But you need to come to His door. You need to do the hard yard. You did the sin, so now you have to make it up. You have to follow up the evil deed that you did, and now you have to chase it up with a good deed. Right? That's what has to come next. But you have to do it. Nothing's going to come to you and make it easy. You have to do the hard yards. Right? So subhanAllah, when you repent properly, then we see the karam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah does not just accept you. In Allah yuhibbut tawabin. Allah loves those who come back in tawbah. So not just He forgives you, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, just, he doesn't just allow you to come back. No, no, no. Now Allah loves you when you come back in tawbah. So you did the sin, you did the expiation. Subhanallah, يعني, let's just do this, okay? You do a sin, the sin gets recorded against you as one. Yes, this is the first step. You do the sin and it gets recorded against you. You did the one crime. No multiplication here. But then you come back to your senses and then you do a good deed. And that is multiplied for you. Now, depending on your sincerity 
And depending on how close it is to the Sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is depending where you go from 10 to 700. Depending on your sincerity, depending on how close you get to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sunnah, that is how the multiplication happens here. So now, subhanAllah, 700 times he multiplies for you a deed that you did once. Meaning that if you prayed two raka'at, it is counted as if you prayed it 700 times. Understand the concept, 700 times you did this one action. If you pray two raka'at now, till the end of the day, you probably might not reach 700 raka'at, right? 700 two times, right? 700 times, something that's beyond belief. That you do one action and it's multiplied for you in this great way. Now subhanAllah, this outshines, imagine you did one sin, right? That was equivalent to say two units of prayer. But then you come with two units of prayer and it's multiplied for you 700 times as if you prayed 700 times. Subhanallah, imagine. So what does this look like now in comparison? It's like nothing. In comparison, it's like nothing. 700 compared compare to one. What is she? Right? It's nothing. So over here, it's, it's made as if it's redundant. Because now it's, it's going to be... Yani, in consider, yeah, considering how much 700 to 1 is Now it's nothing But subhanallah on top of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wipes it clear Tamhuha Right? It's cleared That good deed that you did It wiped it away Now subhanallah On top of that Now it's like you didn't do anything And if you come with proper tawbah Which means that you have to leave the sin You have to hate the sin You have to have a firm resolve Never to come back to that sin and if the sin involves someone else, you return the rights or you seek forgiveness. Okay? The four يعني, stages of tawbah. What are they? Ali, just to make sure you're awake, lad. No, teacher knows how to pick them. Teacher knows how to pick them. You know what I mean? What's the first one? You hate the sin. Yep. Like, nadam, you regret it. Let's just say you regret it. Okay? The next? And then you leave the sin? Yeah. Oh, well, let's just put the leave the sin first, right? Because you got to leave it before you... Right? <laughs> you leave the sin, you hate it and regret it. Yeah. And then, the third one? You make a plan. Not a plan. A conviction. Right? A plan. Imagine it's like, yeah, I'll do that one, but then after that one, we won't ever do it again. Right? <laughs> okay, so the, the, you have يعني, a conviction that you're never going to do it again. And the fourth one? If there's a right that give, you have to give to someone else, you have to give that right back. Or if you have to seek forgiveness, you have to seek that forgiveness. Now, that is, if you come with Tawbah, now what happens? Your bad deeds are now transformed into good deeds. So that first it was wiped away, but now that one comes on top. That one that you had comes on top as a good deed. So it's like 701. <laughs> Subhanallah. Right? It's from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now you did the wrong. You came back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're the one that did the crime. But he's giving you 700 times what you deserve. You just did two raka'at. You don't, you don't deserve 700. But Allah is a shakur. Right? Allah, he, he's the most generous. He's al-karim, right? The one whose generosity is nothing to him. In this sense way, it's, if he gives 700, what you consider generous is nothing. Right? You give someone 10 bucks on top as a tip, you think, well, I've, I've done him a favor. He's giving you 700 times And then you get that extra one that you did as a sin Right? Because it's changed into a good deed Then on top of that You did the crime But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
He loves you. He loves you. This is when you start to think, how can you not love Allah? How can you not love Allah when He does this for you? And then you understand, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لِرَبِّهِ لَكَنُودِ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لِرَبِّهِ لَكَنُودِ Indeed, mankind to Allah, to their Lord, is what? Ungrateful. Wallahi, we're not grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he opens, leaves the door of tawbah open for us, that would be enough. But then he multiplies, and he gives, and he bestows. And on top of that, he loves you. How, how, how can you not love Allah? Indeed, mankind to Allah is not grateful. They're ungrateful. We ask Allah for his protection, Ya Rabb. Then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he concludes the hadith and he says, hasan," And meet the people with good manners. Now subhanAllah, this hadith يعني, is very important because there is a connection over here in this last portion to the first portion. The last portion over here is about what? <laughs> Three steps before me. What's, what's, what's the last portion? What did we just say? Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. We're all, we're all just clocking off today. I'm telling you, you guys look thrashed. Like, I don't know what's going on. Ah. What I just said, the last portion of the hadith, what is it? And meet the people with what? Good manners. Right? So there is a link here with this part and the first part. What was the first part? Have taqwa of Allah wherever you are, right? And then over here, Nabi Sallallahu is saying, and have good manners when you see people. Whenever you meet someone, have good manners. Now, subhanAllah, this over here is where most people do not fear Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala properly. When it comes with other people, because when we think about it, if we take taqwa, is doing everything good to stay away from the punishment of Allah, the anger of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Yes. Then wouldn't good manners come under that? Because it's something that you're doing for the sake of Allah. You're doing that so Allah is pleased with you. So over here, that would come under it. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani Nabi sallam is telling us where most people go wrong. Meet people and meet them properly. Because this is where most people get it wrong. And subhanAllah, we see that. In the hadith that's famous, yani the, the hadith where a person will come with mountains of good. All the worship, mashallah, has got multiple hajj, salah, zakah, siyam. This guy is on another level. But, qad shatama He insulted this person. And he took the rights of this person. And he took the rights of that person. And then they will start taking his good deeds. When they don't, when he doesn't have any more good deeds. He came with mountains of good deeds. But what happens? Then he's got no more good deeds from how much he's insulted others. His bad manners. What happens? They start throwing onto him their evil. Subhanallah. So now this is a very يعني, realistic scenario that you could be going into Jahannam even though you do every form of worship because of your manners. You could be in the front line. But this hadith shows us that there is a very strong chance that you will be in Jahannam because of manners. Because of your adab, because you didn't have any. Now, subhanAllah, this first command, 
of having taqwa, now we see something, a very يعني, realistic يعني, issue, is that this is where most people get it wrong. And the beauty of this hadith is that it covers every single relationship you have with the people. Right? And have good manners with the people, not just with just some people. So now this covers every single relationship you have. There is a form of taqwa that you need to show. The wife needs to show taqwa to a husband. The husband needs to show taqwa to the wife. The parents need to show taqwa to who? The children and the spouses of the children. The children need to show taqwa to the parents. The siblings need to show taqwa to one another. The Muslim business or the business has to show taqwa to its customers. And the Muslim customer needs to have taqwa to the business. Every person you meet, you have to have a level of taqwa with them. Well, you're remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are. Now subhanallah, something that is important is that this says, With all people. With all people. Now subhanallah, something that is important, my brothers and sisters, is I want you to reflect, I don't want anyone to tell me. When I said all of those things, did your mind go to someone else? I want you to think about that. Did your mind go to someone else? That this person needs to show taqwa to someone else. This person, they need to show that person taqwa. Like if, you, if I said... The, I said everything, right? If you, if you heard carefully, I said everything. The, the wife needs to show taqwa to the husband. The husband needs to show taqwa to the wife. If your mind just went to a particular husband, needs to showing his wife, he needs to show his wife taqwa, that's one thing, right? Or your yani mind went straight away that your wife needs to show you taqwa, right? Not what you have to do, what you're supposed to earn, right? Or when I said that the parents need to show taqwa to the children and the spouses of the children, right? Now over here, if your mind went to what you are owed, or what parent needs to give a specific parent, your mind went somewhere. Yes? Everyone with me? Did I understand the question? Don't say, yes, I thought about it or not, because it's going to be very problematic, right? If your mind went to someone else, understand that this is a very, very big red flag. A very, very big problem. Because it shows that you are not necessarily focused on what you need to do for someone else. You are focused on what you should earn and what you should get. And this is the way of the munafiqeen. This is the way of the hypocrites. This is from the signs of hypocrisy. I'm not saying you guys are hypocrites, relax. right? From the signs of the hypocrites is that they take from the religion what benefits them. When Islam is in their favor, they take Islam for them at that time because it's in their favor. So the problem of today, the problem of today is what? We look at what we can use Islam for. We look at how we are entitled certain rights. We look at who, yani, who needs to be taken their rights needs to be sucked from them. And we need to take everything we need from them. But we don't look at what we need to do. We don't look at what we need to do for our spouses. Regardless if you're a man or a woman. 
or what you need to do for your parents, or what you need to do for your siblings, or what you need to do for your business, or what you need to do as a customer, or what you need to do as a worker, what you need to do wherever you are. You need to be focused on what you need to do rather than what you are going to get from Islam. And that's the sickness of today. That Muslims want to what? Take all of their hukuk. They want every right of theirs that's owned to them under the sun. I want my rights. She's supposed to do this for me, that for me, cook for me, everything, right? I want it all, right? What do you have to do? I got a few things that I got to do, right? Same thing, both sides. The wife is saying, I want my rights. I have to give to your husband. And the husband saying, I want my rights. Where's the rights that you're giving to your husband, to your wife? Where is it? So over here, this is the problem of today. That everyone is trying to use Islam as a means to get whatever they want. But Islam is not for you to get your rights only. Islam protects the rights of everyone. But it's a very complete circle. You fulfill the rights of others, they will fulfill your rights. It's not just what can I do, what can I get? And subhanAllah, yani I honestly, I think that there are some people, subhanAllah, they are oblivious to what they have to do and they constantly just focus on what they should get. And I honestly think they are from the closest to the munafiqeen at some stages. Because يعني, the husband, يعني, even يعني, subhanAllah, ex-husbands, ex-wives, everyone has to show taqwa to everyone. Right? There's some sort of good manners that's involved. Now subhanAllah, this is something that is very important that when you see the amount of issues that we have within the community, you see that everyone is just trying to rip everyone else. That's what's happening. Everyone is just trying to just put on another person what they're supposed to do. When I used to work at the bookshop before, there was a little book that said the excellent husband and the excellent wife. Two small books, right? Whenever they'd come, the wife wants to get the husband's one, the excellent husband, to give it and put it on the husband. This is what you need to do to be an excellent husband, right? And the, wife, and the husband, if he sees it, he gets the excellent wife just to put it on the, to, the wife. This is what you need to do for me to be an excellent wife. But no one, I don't think I've seen one time, wallahi, I don't think I've seen one time where someone said, excellent husband, mate, I should read that. I should read that. I want to be the excellent husband for if it was a man, right? So subhanAllah, everyone is looking for what they want. And this is not the way of Islam. This is not the way of the deen. Now subhanAllah, this is يعني, the end, end of this second hadith, alhamdulillah. And it's a very short hadith, but subhanAllah, this hadith is very, very powerful. And the يعني, something that is important is why is this hadith here in the chapter of mindfulness? Who can tell me? Why is this hadith here in the chapter of mindfulness? Ah. Stop looking away, bro. It's just you. Yeah. Why is this hadith here? اِتَّقِ اللَّهَ why is this hadith here in the chapter of muraqaba? Chapter of mindfulness. <laughs> do you mind if we go to the next person? Do you wanna do you wanna lock phone a friend? I'll choose your friend for you. Fadal. Part of taqwa. Explain. Hold it down for the country, for the balad. You know what I mean? You gotta hold it down for your dad, you gotta hold it down for your family. Answer properly, Allah. Huh? 
what's the essence of taqwa? To put a barrier between that which displeases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the punishment of Allah and yourself, right? But the focus in taqwa is Allah. And so to have taqwa, right, constantly, have taqwa wherever you are, it means you have to remember Allah wherever you are, which is you're mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are, in every circumstance, in private, in public, with your friends, without your friends, online, behind a fake account or not, whatever you're doing. Whatever you're doing, ittaqillah haythu ma kunt. Fear Allah wherever you are. Right? This is why this hadith comes in this chapter. And this is one of the most يعني, short hadith that we have. But it is something that is, يعني, you should remember this hadith constantly throughout your life. And now something that happens that we have to take in respect to something that's important. يعني, when we think that it covers not just every place, but it covers every time also. Why is that important? Is that we have a lot of Muslims who just practice Islam in, يعني, seasonally, right? In Ramadan, for instance. And this is يعني, obviously doing it one month rather than any other month is better than not at all type thing, right? Something's better than nothing. But يعني, have taqwa of Allah wherever you are. Meaning, whenever, wherever, at every time, every place, it all matters. You have to have taqwa. And so this is something that is important, that it covers every time and every place. Right? Every place in the sense where taqwa is not just when you're in the masjid. Taqwa is not just when you're around Muslims. Taqwa is not just when you're praying or when you're fasting. Taqwa is literally at every moment of your day. Every moment, every waking moment of your day, you have to have taqwa. And with this, alhamdulillah, we conclude this hadith. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Why I didn't take the fourth hadith, the, the third hadith, is that it's a bit longer and it needs a very long explanation. Kallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.